I do want to say a couple of things about the diocesan convention coming up. This is an unusual time in our church life in this diocese. As always, we are preparing for diocesan convention where we will elect our officers of the, the diocesan council as well as trustees, and we will elect deputies to general convention, and we will pass the budget. But have you heard that we're going to elect a new bishop? The search committee has nominated three very strong candidates, and this past week they were here in Ohio meeting and greeting many of us in many parishes across the, the diocese. I hope that you've had a chance to either read their materials online or see the recorded meet and greet sessions. This is all in preparation for the election of the Bishop Coadjutor, which will take place on the afternoon of November 19th down at the uh, convention in downtown Cleveland. All clergy and three delegates from each parish will participate. For lay delegates to be eligible to vote, that parish has to be in compliance with various canonical mandates, such as payment of assessments for lay and clergy um, employees and filing a parochial report, which re reports on the activities of parishes paying the diocesan assessment, and having an annual audit. Unlike elections for other offices, it will take a majority of both the lay delegates and the clergy delegates voting on the same ballot to elect a bishop coadjutor, who will begin to serve next or immediately, but will take over for Bishop Hollingsworth when he retires next year. As I said, I encourage you to watch those videos and maybe communicate with both the clergy and your delegates to the convention. And who might they be, you might ask? They are Senior Warden Sam Hartwell, Junior Warden Dave Banyard, and Diane Banyard. And they will be at the convention to cast their votes. After the election, the standing committees from all of the 112 dioceses across the Episcopal Church must consent before the new bishop can serve. And to assist in this whole process, the search committee appointed a transition committee chaired by Jesse Dodson. Where are you, Jesse? There. That's right. You were right here a moment ago. And all of that will culminate with the consecration of the bishop on April 29th next year at the Cleveland Public Auditorium. Here ends the diocesan update. One of my favorite greeting cards shows a man standing in front of an open refrigerator, and there's nothing but sticks of butter in that fridge. You open the card up, and it says, honey, where's the butter? <laughs> and I admit, and my family will tell me, that sometimes I don't see what's standing or sitting right in front of me. And that's one of the recurring themes of the Gospel of Luke that we've been listening to all fall. It's the focus on seeing, or, or being able to see, the poor and needy in the parables of Jesus that he's been teaching us. In the past few weeks, for example, we have heard the Gospel readings about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, in which the beggar Lazarus sits outside the rich man's gate, and the rich man steps over him, ignores him, on his way to work. 
We also heard about Jesus healing the ten lepers, whom no one else sees. In these readings, Jesus identifies the other as the poor and sick who are worthy to be seen. Focusing on those who need our help is part of fulfilling our great commandment to love each other. Also in these parables, Jesus chides those who are rich, such as in the parable of the dishonest manager who reduces the owner's debts so that the borrowers will be favorable to him when the owner fires him for cheating. You cannot serve God in his wealth. We hear that too. But today's gospel is different. We know that Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in Jericho. He's not poor. He's not sick. He's probably rich because he skimmed off some of the tax collections and lined his pockets for his own benefit. As my bishop's staff colleague, Reverend Percy Grant, observed, he was a Jew who worked for the Romans, so he was disliked by both the people of Jericho that he was taking money from and the Romans. He was ostracized because he wasn't part of the Jericho community and he was doing the dirty work of the Romans on behalf of the Roman occupiers. In other words, he was in an in-between place, a different kind of outcast. But the big question is, why did Zacchaeus climb the tree? The Gospel tells us he was trying to see who Jesus was because he was short in stature. But like the man looking at the butter, note that we don't see or we don't read that Zacchaeus Zacchaeus sees Jesus. It's only Jesus seeing him, calls him by name, and then invites himself to his house. Zacchaeus hurries down the tree and was happy to welcome Jesus. But the, the crowd grumbles, probably saying, what? Why is Jesus paying attention to this guy who's been taking money off of us? Why does Jesus want to go to his house? He's a sinner. Similar to the lepers and Lazarus, Zacchaeus was an outsider, but Jesus sought him out, just like Jesus sees the other, the marginalized, to whom he draws our attention throughout his ministry. In the face of the grumbling crowd, Zacchaeus stood there and said, look, half of all that I have, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay it back four times over. Now, the lawyer in me paused on that sentence and said, he uses the word if, if he defrauded. I'll give back four times as much. Was Zacchaeus hedging on his repentance? Regardless, Jesus rewards Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus and declares that salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. He's part of the family. Even though Zacchaeus wasn't poor and he wasn't sick or he wasn't blind, Jesus still sought him out and declared him to be a son of Abraham. According to Luther Seminary professors Matt Skinner and Caroline Lewis, we all deserve to be seen by God, whether we're down on our luck, sick with an illness, consumed by greed, or just trying to get through the day. Not only did Jesus see Zacchaeus, but he also said, let's have dinner. I wonder about that dinner conversation, don't you? Perhaps it would have been Jesus saying, those are nice words about giving back Zacchaeus, but you gotta do more than that. You have to take some action. 
Jesus might have even quoted from today's reading in Isaiah. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. I also imagine that this would have been a very difficult conversation as Jesus would have challenged Zacchaeus to do more than just declare his repentance and maybe even say, you can't go back on that hedge on your repentance to promise to return those ill-gotten gains. So it may not be easy to tie up this story and this homily by saying that Jesus helped transform Zacchaeus. That would be like Zacchaeus, or saying that Zacchaeus had some sort of a Ebenezer Scrooge conversion type moment after being visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. We all know better. There aren't easy and quick answers. But the story does tell us that Jesus treated Zacchaeus with respect. Even as someone who's done bad things and who's on the outside looking in, God saw him and wanted to include him. No exceptions. So even if we don't see the butter or the person standing in front of us who might need our help, God does see us. He invites us out of the tree, into conversation, and into community. Amen.